Welcome to the CER podcast. My name is Sophia Besch, and this is the second episode of our series on the strategic implications of Brexit on the EU, where I sit down with a different researcher every week to talk about what Brexit would mean for their field of expertise. Today I'm joined by Simon Tilford, Deputy Director here at the CER, and we're going to talk about EU economic policies. I'm going to jump right in with the first question, Simon. What effect has the UK had on the EU in terms of economic policy over the last years? Well, contrary to the claims of many British Eurosceptics, Britain's actually been pretty influential. So it was one of the driving forces behind the creation of the single market. It's taken a leading role in, in pushing for more competitive markets, so it's been quite consistent in opposing state aid. It has taken a much more American line when it comes to technology. The British have argued that technology needs to be proven to be damaging, or some, some kind of technological developments need to be proven to be damaging before onerous regulation is introduced. Um, it has pushed hard, not particularly successfully, for, for, for liberalisation of services trade across the EU and it has been a firm supporter of EU trade deals. It's taken a generally liberal attitude to free trade. So overall, it's been a force for openness and sort of liberal economics, if you like. So you say that the UK has been a force for liberalisation. Do you think that if the UK were to leave, the EU would become more protectionist and, and less liberal overall? On the face of it, Brexit will make the EU less less liberal, less outward-looking uh, and more suspicious of technology because the UK has been the leading advocate of an open approach. However, one shouldn't exaggerate how big a risk this is. It's not as if the UK has been the only reason why the EU has become more liberal. In recent years, it's not the only reason why the EU has been striving to, to, to sign free trade deals. There are all manner of factors behind that. A big one is what's been happening in the Eurozone. Many Eurozone economies are under huge pressure to become more competitive. And that is one reason why they have embraced a more liberal approach. Also, it's not as if the, the UK has been very actively engaged in recent years. Over the last five years, ever since the Conservatives came to power, uh, the UK has become progressively disengaged from Brussels. And during this period, we have seen a steady liberalising agenda, and it's happened without much, much British input. So I think one can exaggerate it, but everything else being equal, an EU without the UK will be less, less liberal, uh, more protectionist and more suspicious of technology. In case of a British exit, how likely is it that the UK would get a good deal in terms of accessing the single market? In theory, Britain could leave and retain unimpeded access to the single market, but that would mean joining the EEA basically pursue the Norway option. Now, Norway has pretty much unimpeded access, but it has to sign up to most EU rules and regulations. It has to abide by freedom of movement, and it has to make substantial contributions to the EU budget. It's hard to see how that, how that would be an acceptable outcome for the UK, given the reasons why the country will have quit the EU in the first place, which will be over concerns over freedom of movement, over immigration, a resentment at interference from Brussels, and and a sort of desire to restore sovereignty, however illusory that is. So EEA membership and the Nor and the Norwegian option won't be a a politically acceptable outcome uh, for the UK. Um, some say because the UK would be the first country to ever leave the EU, they might actually be able to negotiate a more favourable deal um, to get some sort of exception, not necessarily the EEA option. I think that's highly unlikely. Um, mainly because it would establish a very awkward precedent for various other countries. If we just look at French and German politics, for example, the French are determined to avoid 
uh, establishing a precedent that could embolden the National Front. If Britain were to leave and to get pretty much everything it wanted, it could encourage others uh, to follow suit. So the French, who are running scared of the National Front ahead of the presidential election, will not be in a position to concede too much to Britain. For Germany, I think it's even more existential that they'll be determined to avoid any further fraying of the EU. So they won't want to give Britain anything that, that could encourage the Dutch or the Poles or the Czechs to hold a referenda on membership. So no one wants Britain to leave and they will attempt to accommodate the British, but at the same time they have their own domestic political constraints which limit their ability to concede that much more to the UK. So you're saying that EU governments might not be willing to give too many concessions to Britain. What would that mean for the UK's service market? The UK relies very heavily on exports of services. Last year, they accounted for 44% of total exports, and the EU is by far the biggest market for them. So if Britain were to leave the EU and was unable to negotiate unimpeded access to the single market, its service sector, particularly in financial services, could take quite a big hit. So specifically on financial services, what would be the consequences of a Brexit at EU level and what would be the repercussions for Britain and the dominance of the City of London? The dominance of, of the City of London has grown steadily in recent years, despite Britain not being in the Euro. Um, and if we were, and if Britain were to quit the EU, uh, the city's preeminence wouldn't disappear overnight. I mean, there are reasons why London is, 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 is such a huge financial centre. It comprises an, a huge agglomeration of, of human capital and infrastructure. That wouldn't disappear overnight. However, uh, a Britain on the outside, uh, and one that is not in the EEA, which we can assume it wouldn't be for political reasons, would, I think, be an uncomfortable place for Europe's dominant financial centre. What would be the likely places, what would be the capitals where it would go? So which member states would profit? Well, Frankfurt would have to be one, uh, Paris another, Amsterdam the third, mm. I would have thought. But over time, some of the activity we currently see um, in, in London would inevitably migrate. We don't know how much. Um, and as I say, London would remain a very big financial centre. The question is whether it could remain uh, Europe's and the Eurozone's financial capital. I think that is unlikely. London would remain a big uh, global financial centre, um, but its dominance relative to, to Frankfurt, Paris and Amsterdam would clearly, clearly wane. Um, so what would that mean for the countries that are currently not in the Eurozone? Well, Britain is the only country that has made it clear it will never join the Euro. So it's in a slightly different position to Poland and some of the others who have indicated that they will join at some point. Um, but those countries have relied on Britain taking a hard line over the Eurozone ins and outs question. Now, if Britain leaves, they will have to become much more assertive about defending their rights against the Eurozone. As is often the case with Britain in the EU, countries kind of hide behind it, often vote against it, but rely on it uh, opposing things that they're in favour of opposing but don't want to actually do openly for fear of courting unpopularity. And that's basically what's going to happen if Britain leaves. Countries that have hid behind Britain over a whole range of issues, but including the Eurozone ins and outs one, will have to step up and argue their case much more vociferously That will be, I think, uh, it could potentially be, be quite difficult for them um, because none of them have 
the influence or the power that Britain does. Poland is obviously the biggest of them, but under its current government um, has much, much less influence than it did under the previous one. So could struggle uh, to, uh, to defend its interests as easily as it can do uh, hiding behind Britain. Next week I will be joined by Camino Matera Martinez uh, to discuss the consequences of a Brexit on the EU's justice and home affairs policies. You can also listen to our previous episodes in which I asked CEO Foreign Policy Director Ian Bond how he thinks that an EU without the UK would look like. And just to remind our listeners, the policy brief The EU Without Britain, Unleashed or Undone is available on the CER website, cer.org.uk. <laughs>